This is the Icon Podcast, a community of trained readers reflecting Jesus with Michael Burns and Jason Alexander. And I'm your host, Gianna Hearn. Today we have a little different setup, a little different of a group. It'll be Gianna Hearn and Reggie Hearn, Copper Hearn, Zariah Hearn, and Michael Burns. The whole Hearn family's on today, filling in for Jason. So we will be back in Ephesians once again in chapter five, and we're just picking up where we left off last time. We went through verse two in chapter five, so we'll be picking up in verse three today. Michael, yes. how are you doing? Do you feel lonely? You don't have a whole family around you like we do. Well, no, I do. They're just in the other room, uninterested in what I'm doing currently. So they're they're there, but... Actually, you know, um, it's kind of a, a big week in the Burns household, as I as I know it is in the Hearn household as well, because it's the opening week of the NCAA basketball tournament. So that that's kind of, you know, life revolves a bit for us around watching games and everything. And then it's cool because I didn't think Elijah was going to be home when the tournament started. But he actually, when he was home for spring break last week, he got pretty sick. And he's he's doing better now. He's okay. But the his school said that he could stay home for a couple weeks and do school remotely. So he gets to be here for the first couple weeks of the tournament, which is is cool. And I know you guys are excited about the tournament, but I won't steal your thunder. I'll let you share why you're so excited about the tournament. Yeah, well, we have both of our alma maters in the tournament. Wolfpack. Um, well, I mean, they're kind of in the tournament. They're in the first four playing. Don't be little what we've like done. Which is like saying you barely made it. Um, I was actually preparing to go scout Nevada games in the NIT because I figured they would host some games. But lo uh-huh. and behold, they're in, and they're in the same uh, region as Northwestern. So we're actually praying, all you prayer warriors out there, pray that Nevada and Northwestern uh, win their first couple games and meet in the Sweet 16 so that we can have a family vacation to Vegas and and maybe the Nevada-Northwestern rift will tear our family apart. But, hey, it'll be fun. Now here's my question. And, th- and there's Zariah. She'll be, she'll be with us today, so you'll hear her from time to time, which is great. But here's my question. Do you guys have a bet on which team will go farther? We don't yet, Michael, but uh, that is a great idea. I have a lot of things that, that we could bet on, though. That's true. We could, we could make bets and debates out of anything. But, oh, nice. She wants to bet that uh, she'll take a nap. Probably not. <laughs> But Michael, you know, Michael, my question for you though is, uh, who do you cheer for in this tournament? Because the the Badgers, unfortunately, did not have a you know the greatest year. So, where do your yeah. loyalties lie? Um, my loyalties lie with the fact that the Milwaukee Bucks have the best record in the NBA. Will will be the number one seed in the playoffs, and will most likely win their second championship in three years uh, because they certainly look like the best team to me there's some good challengers out there but we'll see so that's that's really i'm walking on sunshine through the whole ncaa tournament i don't i don't care 
a whole lot. But I think if I had to cheer for a team this year, um, I I kind of would like to see Duke win the national championship this year. Gianna, nobody needs those dirty looks on your Look, face. Look, out of like the North Carolina Duke situation, I'm a Duke fan. But I'm like, out of everyone, pick someone different. Pick someone that's like an underdog. Well, they are different though. They're 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 totally like new coach and new players, and so they they are different. The other team I, I would like to see do really well this year and maybe win is a team that's come very close the last few years but never quite managed to do it, which would be Gonzaga. Um, that would be interesting. And I always, you know, kind of cheer for the Big Ten teams. I think the only Big Ten team that would have a chance this year would be Purdue. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Lessons on today's podcast and uh, subtle digs at Northwestern there. Uh, lessons in artful dodging by talking about the Bucks when asked about the Dodgers. Uh, great stuff today on the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Well, I, get, I ultimately gave my answer. I think that was the, the ultimate in fair answers because it comes down to, I don't care who wins the NCAA tournament because the Bucks are the best NBA team, and that's the more important basketball. Well, yeah, that depends on who you ask, but uh, all we're doing is predicting here, Michael. We have yet to see what will happen in the playoffs. Okay, well, my prediction, that's a different answer. My prediction was Alabama to win. Yeah, join the masses there. Brandon Miller looks very good. uh, Yes, but I will say I made that pick before I knew that everybody else was going to pick Alabama. Yeah, that's easy for everyone to say. They'll be like, oh, yeah, I said that a couple months ago. No, after I saw them, like, destroy their way through the SEC tournament, I was like, oh, yeah, that's a that's a very good team. Yeah, they did look pretty good. All right, fellas. Well, let's get down to the real reason that we're on the podcast today. We got to talk about the word. And we're in Ephesians. Yes. Like I said, going back to Ephesians verse 3 is what we're starting today. We're not going to read it today, Michael. And we're going to bring Reggie into our hermeneutic of expectancy where we go through all the different ways of reading with our reading glasses on. That's where we start out. So uh, since we're not reading, let's start there, Michael. Reading glasses on. You want to start us out? I I would be glad to. And so one of the things here is, is today we're going to kind of talk through, at least in this section, through uh, what could rightly be called a couple of sections, although in another sense, this is part of a a longer section from chapter five that goes really all the way through at least the middle of chapter six. But from verses three to 14 or so, uh, we'll just kind of make mention of quickly, in a lot of ways, there's there's a similarity to um, at least in interpreting and understanding to what we talked about, the, the, the verses at the end of chapter four. And we're going to more focus in today on verses 15 to 20 and look at, look at those verses. So, But I, I will say he's continuing in chapter five here, this look at the, I would say the, 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 characteristics the the signs they're they're not 
qualifications. They're not a, a moral list of do's and don'ts the way we might be tempted to read it, but it's more of like a, a checkup light. Like if you are indeed in the realm of Christ, in the realm of the age of coming Messiah, then these are the sorts of behaviors that would characterize your life and your community. And and although that sounds similar, I think it's important to to read it in that sense so that we're not reading it as a list. And like we talked last time, becoming, you know, sin sniffers and sin managers rather than pursuing uh, the life of the Messiah. And so if you, you see these sorts of things, he says in a couple of places, that's not that's not proper for God's people. This isn't the kind of behavior that you would see r- reflected. Now, I, I will say this, uh, uh, the couple verses at the beginning of chapter five, which we dealt with last week, in verse one, he says, be imitators of God. And then he goes into some of these things where he's saying there shouldn't be sexual immorality, there should be no impurity, uh, you know, uh, no obscenity, foolish talk. Is this really Paul's description of God? Is is that what he's reducing? Yeah. Like God doesn't God doesn't swear. God's not sexually immoral. God's not greedy. God's not uh, an idolater. You know, is that what he means? And I would say in reading this, it's important to note that, no, I don't think that's what Paul is saying. That would be rather reductive of God, actually. And so I I would say as you read this, you, you won't fully understand what he means there until you get to chapter six. And by the middle of chapter six, he starts using some allusions and language that make it very clear what he means as far as being an imitator of God. And I don't want to give away the whole present here, you know, week before Christmas, but I think what he's, what we'll see in chapter six is God, he, Paul appeals to a passage in the Old Testament where God is pictured as the divine warrior fighting for justice. God will come in and say, there's injustice and inequity in the world. There's conflict. There's division. All the sorts of things that Ephesians has been about. That's, you know, these are the sorts of things that the the powers and authorities bring about. And so he says, um, you know, he, he appeals to this passage, which we'll talk about in our next episode, where God says, fine, I will bring justice. I will do it myself. And so that's what Paul is building on when he's saying be an imitator of God. And what that looks like then is sometimes these little ways of don't take advantage of other people. Don't use talk that gets yourself ahead or puts others down or creates division or demeans or greed where it's all about me instead of, you know, living for the benefit of others. And then that's really going to come into focus later in this chapter when he starts talking about husbands and wives and in the next chapter with children uh, and parents. This is this is all to do with imitating God and what it looks like to be a, a community that imitates God. So chapter or verse verse three through you know 14 or so, he's really talking about behavior that reflects the realm 
of light. You can either live in the realm of light or the realm of darkness. And that's why in verse 14, he he sums it up with this, this hymn, which was most scholars believe was already an existing early Christian hymn. He quotes it. It says, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now, that's where he goes in then to the next section. And I think he just brought up song that's still on his mind. And in fact, let me say this, early Christian hymns were one of the big ways that they used to teach each other important truths about Christ, doctrine, to remember things. Uh, it was an oral community. They they used song in a different way than we tend to. You know, we don't we don't go and say, "Hey, our one of our main vehicles of teaching and talking about God is song." We use song as like an emotional thing. So in verse 15, as I see it, then Paul draws this to a point, this two-realm living. Be careful how you live then. Not as unwise, but as wise. And in this sense, he's again appealing to those two realms. And uh, we really, when we get into the next section of reading, of uh, uh, not reading glasses, on that section we're in, when we get into time machine, we need to talk about verse 16. Um, because the English translation is not helpful in this verse to understanding what Paul actually says. Um, he, he actually says more directly, it would be like redeeming the time because the days are evil rather than make the most of every opportunity. Uh, don't be foolish. Understand what the Lord's will is. He's not talking about the Lord's will there as far as like, you know, uh, does God want me to take this job or not? It's that bigger, here's here's what God, how God wants his people to live. And then again, he draws on these two paths. One path is sort of stereotypically characterized by, it's animated by alcohol and partying and self, uh, you know, filling your own desires and all that kind of stuff. And he says that that's one type of community animated by your own self-desires and alcohol, or there's a community that's animated by the spirit. And, and that's the one that he wants them to, to choose to be. So that's kind of, uh, as you read it again, that's just an overview. There's a ton to read there, but. It seems to me as I look at the passage, um, what you talked about with the kind of dichotomy between unwise and wise, it seems like not just in this passage, but in a lot of the Bible, there seems to be dichotomies that are set up good and evil. Um, here in this passage, it talks about the fruitless deeds of darkness and being children of darkness versus being children of light. Um, so that's what stood out to me is there seems to be these dichotomies, but doesn't it tend to be kind of different ways of saying kind of the same two sides of the puzzle, so to speak, good versus evil, wise versus unwise, foolish versus wise, light and darkness. Um, and Paul seems to be trying to, as you said, show these are the characteristics of what, what it means to be 
in the light. This is a characteristic of what it means to be wise. Um, so to me, that just seemed to be the theme. There, there seems to be a lot of dichotomy in this section. Which I think is... No, ab- absolutely. Go ahead, G, and then I want to comment on what Reggie said. Yeah, in the same vein, I was just going to say that that's what I noticed is there is a difference between those that follow God and those that aren't. Now, we know that inherently or as disciples, but I think sometimes we like to boil it down to, okay, this person is a disciple if they were baptized a certain way, if they read the scriptures a certain way. And to me, in this passage and everything we've been reading, it just shows that there's a lot more nuance. There's a lot more than just like these big ticket items. Um, And he highlights some of these different things that when you're in the light, this is what we'll see in your life. Um, So anyways, that, that was just what I was going to go on. Go ahead, Michael, as your response to what Reggie had to say. Yeah, no, that's, that's great from both of you. I just, I just wanted to, the that dichotomy thing you mentioned reggie that you will see that versions of that language even in the writings of the early christians in the late first second third century they talked a lot about the two paths that's kind of the way they settled in to talk about it but i i do think it's important again to to stress and 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 this might for some listeners sound like well it sounds like you're saying pretty much the same thing but there is actually a difference where we tend to look at passages like this as, well, it's good behavior versus bad behavior. The way Paul is really describing it is two realms. You're living in the reality of one realm or age and that of the other. And it might not seem like a huge difference, but it it becomes a big difference in the way we start to understand overall walk with Christ. And so the way Paul views it is there is this present evil age and it's it's marked by the wisdom of the powers and authorities. And that's important to understand because behavior that seems beneficial or seems like it will get you ahead will be very tempting if you are driven by the the wisdom and values of this age like or or the presumptions of like well I do need to get ahead and have a successful life or a happy life in this age that if that is your goal Paul says this in Romans 8 he's like if if your mind is set on your own desires then you cannot please God because God is not looking for success in this age. He's he's wanting to move people into this other realm in Christ, in Christ alone. And then that comes with it a whole different set of what success looks like, of what wisdom looks like. And wisdom and success in that age don't look like wisdom and success in the present age. And so people will be confused by the choices that you make by the values that you have, by the way that you live. But that's hard to quantify. You can't necessarily look at somebody and say, what realm are you physically, you know, are you actually living in? What are your values? But I can say, you know, if I see a lot of greed and selfishness and things like that, those are pretty characteristic of the the present age, whereas these other characteristics we'll see in the age to come. So Paul will sometimes shorthand it for them and say, 
look, there shouldn't be any of this among you because if you're letting that go on, then that's a sure indicator that your your value you're actually rooted in the wrong age. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that absolutely makes sense. Um, going back to the whole dichotomy piece, it's the idea of we live in this present age, but there is this age to come. They operate differently, so how you choose to operate kind of shows what realm you have identified with almost. Um, there you go. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, as an analogy, you can use simple language or you can use fancy language words like dichotomy and dichotomy, you know, in using words like that, you show whether you went to like a, a, a university of Northwestern or if you went to just a regular school, like so using don't ever say like, like Nevada, Nevada. <laughs> because who speaks for a living on camera? Not you. Anyways, let's not get into this, Michael. But yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes, we'll move on before we start a, a family war. Yeah, I just want to point out one thing uh, as you're speaking, Michael, with the two different realms and Paul pointing this stuff out. To me, it seems like even if you guys are living in the present realm right now or acting as if you are you can still make a change make a difference and go uh down a different path we'll just say that but you don't have to continue living like you're in the present age and what i think is interesting is if um just for people to recognize that if they've gotten stuck in present or worldly things that they can go down the other direction if that makes sense I'm in, I'm in the middle of holding the baby who's, <laughs> so my brain's a little yeah. slow right now, but no, I, I just think it gives a people great. a lot of power um, to know that they don't have to be stuck, that Paul addresses things so that we can change them. We don't know everything. Um, and yeah. I know Paul addresses the Gentiles and, and things like that, but I, just for us to all know whether we're Jew, Gentile, saved, not saved, disciple, not disciple. Yeah, never, you know, you don't really see Paul come in. In fact, often when he starts his letters, he will say to the saints, you know, to the saints in Corinth or, or whoever, to the God's holy people. And then he'll let them have it and show them where they're falling short and living by the wisdom of the world. So that's a, it's a constant challenge. What I do think, and I and I love what you just said there. What I what I also think, though, that it is a reminder of for us, especially in the realm of like uh, helping new people become Christians, is and I, and and I'm pretty sure we've used I've used this language on the podcast before. I know I've used it in lessons, but maybe we haven't talked about it in the podcast. But is is the idea of you have. The, the soul gospel, the whole gospel, and the role gospel. And the the soul gospel is where we just reduce it to the gospel is just about you getting saved so you can go to heaven, right? And that's basically all we share with people is like, here's what you do to get saved. And now once you're saved, your job is to help other people to become disciples and get saved. And beyond that, you know, and, and then we often do in the soul gospel reduce uh, the Christian living to moralism, to individual morality. Don't, you know, don't, don't smoke, don't drink, don't cuss, don't have sex outside of marriage. And if you do all that, you're a good Christian and you're on your way to heaven. 
The role gospel, which I won't say a whole lot about, I think is that identity driven, like my identity is all that matters, you know, and identity becomes even more important than Christ. And I see that embraced in some progressive term, uh, progressive versions of Christianity. The whole gospel, though, is Jesus's king. Jesus wants to move us into a different realm of living. Yes, he wants to save you. And yes, he wants you to help other people become Christians. But the realm that we live in, the values that we live by, the allegiances that we have matter. And so in the role gospel, uh, I'm sorry, in the whole gospel, does who I vote for matter? No. But but where my allegiances lie and how those allegiances then direct me in thinking about how I act with others and politics and the people that I stand up for and standing with the oppressed and acting for the best interest of others, that does all matter in the whole gospel. And so in the, in the soul gospel, so much gets left out and left behind. And so the, Paul is giving here a picture of throughout, if we read the whole letter in context, uh, the whole gospel. It, it all comes together. But yes, our, our individual and group behaviors do matter as well. Yeah, absolutely. I had never heard that the three type of gospels laid out like that before. Uh, so that was pretty cool uh, to hear. Well, that's the kind of education you get if you go to a small college like an Oklahoma Wesleyan mm. or something like that. Yeah, you won't you won't get that at the big fancy academic institutions. Well, God has chosen. We're more simple, you know. Well, the word does say God has chosen the foolish of the world. So uh, I guess we could say that that's what happened here, huh? I can't even argue that. There you go. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to argue that. I wanted to say uh, real quick, just with reading glasses on um, something else, maybe you can address quickly. Michael is verse 11 stuck out to me. Uh, where it says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Um, I remember talking with another um, disciple before who kind of interpreted that as saying, uh, I should expose the darkness in other people. And I didn't quite feel the same way, Um, uh, especially if it's not someone who has proclaimed, oh, I want to follow Jesus. Um, I think that could be the type of thinking that, you know, maybe would turn people off towards Christianity is feeling like, oh, you're trying to expose the darkness in me. Um, I kind of take it more as, you know, we need to be aware of and expose the darkness in ourselves. Um, If you go to Galatians 5, where it says those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified uh, the passions and desires of their flesh. Well, crucifixion is, is public and it's on display. Um, it's, it's shamed. And so to me, I think, okay, well, I should find and expose the darkness within myself, um, and try to be moving to bring it back to this passage, try to be moving more towards the realm of God. Um, so I didn't know if anyone had any more thoughts on that. Well, I, I think your instinct is right. I think Matthew 7, Jesus lays that out, right? Uh, Matthew 6, 33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then Matthew 7, do not judge. Don't, you know, if if you really care about sin and you're really going after righteousness, it starts in your own life. 
look at look in the plank in your own eye rather than the speck in your others. And yet there is, of course, a balance there. The word he uses in Ephesians, uh, it, it does, it, it means uh, to rebuke, to, you know, let somebody know. Now, I'll say this, the, the biblical idea of rebuke, we often get as like harsh thing, as something, you know, like really strong mm-hmm. and sort of mean and and it's not that at all. I, I think one of the best examples I can give from everyday life of a rebuke is when you're driving and you're using your GPS and you take a wrong turn and it, it not too many of them do this anymore, but it used to go recalculating and then it would give you the new directions. That's a rebuke. It's it's telling you, okay, you took a wrong turn now from where we're at. How do we get back on, on the right road? What Paul is not saying here is there's a realm of darkness and there's a realm of light. And what the realm of light should do is constantly yell at the realm of darkness and tell them how disgusting and dark and dirty they are and what terrible sinners they are and stand on street corners with signs that say, repent, you know, that, that sort of thing. (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) Don't get me started. We just came back from New York city. I have a story, but I won't share it. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to go the sign route. I lived in a town uh, many years ago where a guy would, he would live downtown, or I'm sorry, he lived in this town. He would go downtown like on Friday nights and hold up signs that would say things like, repent, you sinful whores. And I remember I went down there one night and I was talking to a guy who was a bouncer at a club. And he found out I was a minister and he was asking me about this. And I was like, yeah, that's, you know, it's not, I think, how, <laughs> how I want to present the gospel. And he was like, yeah, does does he think that's going to influence anybody? So the sign thing is is not the the way to go, I think. You know, I know Reggie and I both have issues with this sign thing, but we just got back from New York City and Reggie was working, so I was by myself. But there there was someone that was, you know, yelling from the street corner and talking about repent, but it was more it was uh directed, let's just say at the Gentile group. He was like, you know, for everyone that believes in Jesus, I don't denounce you. I don't care what denomination you're a part of. But he was starting to, you know, just be very forceful in the way that he was saying the message. And it wasn't that it wasn't truthful that, you know, Jesus is the truth, the way and the life. That was truthful. But in the way of the delivery, I just am like, I I don't know at what point do we read the Bible and we see in the word that this is how Jesus delivers messages to people. This is how he delivers the father to people. And uh, well, let's look at who Jesus did denounce. Yeah. He denounced the religious. Exactly. So he was he he extended fellowship and and table fellowship and uh you know with with those who are sinners he, that's one of the knocks against him so jesus denounced the religious and i think the other element of that is there's physical signs that people hold up you know some of but those are the few and far between those are the extremists mm, but we can very point. much take on sort of that symbolic or mental or metaphorical, but it's still the same attitude of like, well, they're the rotten sinners and they need to be challenged on their sin, which is kind of an arrogant position in that sense. That's that's a world apart from I'm just one beggar showing another beggar where the warm meal is at. 
Yeah. I, I want to tell you what Jesus has done in, in my life and how he can help you. But what Paul means as a, as a rebuke here is, I think you're right, Reggie. I think it starts within ourselves. But he's also coming from this collectivist community mindset of, as a community, we've got to challenge ourselves on this, where we're not reflecting Christ. This is what he does in 1 Corinthians 11. If you go to take communion and you realize that you have uh, inequities among you that you haven't addressed because of the sin of the world, then stop what you're doing and deal with it. Examine yourselves and you know, call it out and make changes. So that's the sort of thing he's talking about, is not becoming arrogant and calling out everybody else's sin, but let's start with my sin, our sin, and then let's be humble and call people to this this beautiful freedom in Christ where we have the freedom to pursue becoming the image bearer. And, and it's more of like letting go of sin rather than just you know, being again, sin managers and putting people down and yelling at them and all that kind of thing. You know, I love that Reggie brought up that verse just because, you know, I think people when they're reading this, that could be a verse that's really striking and people could hang on to, we got to expose this and that. So I think it was a great discussion to have um, and really great discussion and reading glasses on. We're going to move on to our next section, the time machine. And uh, yes. for Reggie and for maybe new listeners, where, what are we doing in the time machine here, Michael? So the time machine is where, and and we've snuck a lot of this into uh, reading glasses today, where we start to actually interpret and say what's going on in the original context. What would this have meant in the original time? Uh, some some episodes, I think we we do really well at keeping those two separate. Other episodes, they bleed into each other, which is fine because it's not a step by step like you must do this first and you must do that second. Although I do think it's good to just read it at, at its own value first, but it, it, it's more of you know a, a, an overall paradigm where you just these are these are steps that are just sort of in there that we're doing as we go. So it's not so hard and fast. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So in the time machine, what is going on here? What What is happening during this day and age that we haven't already covered uh, specifically that you want to point out, Michael? Yeah. So I, uh, let me start with verse 16 here, uh, kind of analyzing this. And again, I'm going to kind of move back and forth a little bit between the reading and observing and then interpreting and looking in context. But in verse 16, in the English translation, at least the NIV, it says making the most of every opportunity. That's, that's a very nice example of putting it into sort of modern vernacular, but it's also one of those examples where I think we kind of lose the original idea and it more, you know, directly uh, says redeeming the time. And that conveys this idea that Paul is getting across. There's this cosmic battle going on between the powers and and authorities that want to enslave us in the present age, by the values and wisdom of the present age. And then in Christ, we are freed from that. We are moved into uh, the age to come, the future age. And so by redeeming the time, 
Paul is saying more than just take advantage of every opportunity or make the most out of every chance you get, which is, in one sense, to me, it's almost a little panic-inducing as though, yes, we, we always do want to represent Christ. But read that way, it kind of turns us into people who are like, oh, I talked to that person and I didn't share with them about Jesus and I blew it and I didn't take chance of the opportunity. And now, I'm, uh, da, 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 you know, I'm, I'm sure Jesus is mad at me because I didn't I didn't do that. And well, yes, there is some truth that we want to represent Christ as faithfully as we can in every given moment. That's not quite what it means. Redeeming the time means wherever we go, we are taking the opportunity to spread the age to come. We are living that out. That's what I remind myself of, is if somebody cuts in front of me in a line at the grocery store, are they now going to experience my present age wrath for cutting in in line? Or are they going to experience age to come grace? What is going to be their experience with that? And so, yes, in that sense, you know, I can get on myself a little bit too and be like, oh, I blew that chance. But it's more about um, this idea of redeeming the time because the days are evil is this is God's whole mission is the redemption of the present age is to bring all things in heaven and earth together in one in Christ into this future age. And so Paul really in this verse is calling us to be the new humanity, to be the image bearing community, to to live by a different time and reality. So he's continuing that, that whole theme to use Reggie's word dichotomy and saying it's really important what realm we are exhibiting. Any any thoughts there before we move to the next thing? All I could think about is uh, the fact that um, I, I probably have not redeemed my time in the car very well. My, my present age <laughs> wrath has come out uh, very often uh, dealing with drivers from Reno to New York to Los Angeles. Um, yeah. But – um, I like how you you broke that down, and G and I were kind of looking at each other um, as you were talking about the word redeem. Because would you say redeem kind of has the idea of like buying something back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when we think about the word buy, you know, that brings in ideas of money and economy, and and really just the idea of value. If I buy something, that means I value it more than whatever I'm giving up for it. There's a cost to it. Yeah, there's a cost. Yeah. Um, and so trying to apply that to our time or to, you know, our like you said, our present age wrath or our present age uh, feelings or desires. Uh, I think when we are redeeming the time, we're, we're saying, hey, I value the age to come and Christ and being filled with the Spirit yeah. more than I value what I'm giving up. Um, And so that's what the idea of redeeming the time, I think, means for us. Yes. And and here's that sparks a a thought in me, which I really love what you're saying. The the let's use the car example, Reggie driving in the car. Right. Let's say you're in the car alone and someone cuts you off and now you're like, 
you idiot and friss and frass and frock and rock and you know yeah, all those things the pg version um yeah uh i did not at all a cuss just now just in case anybody was listening those were made up words um but and, and it would be easy to say well what does it matter i'm by myself so if my if my goal is to spread the age to come to others, then I can vent by myself. But here's the problem with that. Reggie, you were a professional basketball player. You're a scout now for a professional basketball team. You're in that world. Would you have as a player or in scouting a player, would you want to see somebody who like just has terrible shooting form when they're by themselves in the gym? You know, they're just shooting awfully. And then you go, why are you shooting like that? Well, it doesn't matter. It's practice. How I shoot in the game is what matters, right? Right. Well, what's the problem with that mentality? Yeah, I mean, we (laughs) always talk about, you know, what you do in practice will inevitably come out in the game. As you're talking, I got distracted because I don't know how many of the listeners are aware of the Allen Iverson rant, but – all Allen Iverson from the Philadelphia 76ers, longtime all-star. Uh, he had a rant one day talking about everyone's coming at me about how I practice or not coming to practice. We talking about practice, man, not the game, not the game. Right. Um, right. So anyway, funny aside, you should YouTube it. Look it up if you haven't yeah. watched the Allen Iverson rant, but that's what it made me think of. And and poor Allen Iverson who never won a championship <laughs> because <laughs> – you talk about guys who won championships a lot, like Kobe and Michael. They were relentless in how they practiced. They demanded everybody practice perfect. Right. And so that's where, for me, I want to remind myself that, man, how I act alone does matter because I'm, I'm training myself. I'm, you know, what am I really pursuing here? Am I just putting on a show and other people are around or is this really the real me that I'm pursuing? I'm really trying to be Christ all the time. And yes, I'll blow it. But I, th- I think we don't want to get to that point where it's like, Oh, it doesn't matter what I do alone or with my wife or she understands and it's fine. That's when it starts to get very problematic. Yeah. You, you actually triggered a thought in me. Um, I'm a huge C.S. Lewis fan, and I believe in some of his writings. He talked about, you know, what a man does when he's caught off guard is probably the best measure of the man. Like when you don't have time to say, oh, there's people with me watching or, oh, someone might see me do this. And so yeah, you're going to act differently when you're alone. Well, that just kind of inevitably just shows what actually is in your heart which is what God is looking at, right? At right. the end of the day, it's what he's going to hold us accountable for. Don't get totally. a bad day tripping <laughs> over stumbling something. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, when I was a young Christian, I had a pretty good temper and I, and I struggled with it. And if you talk to people from back in the day, the Milwaukee Church Christ, they, they could tell you stories. Like, I, I mean, I just, I had a temper and it would come out. And then I worked really hard at working on my anger and controlling it. And, you know, so it's a process too. But then I would see there was, there was years in there where people would be like, oh, wow, you really, you know, totally beating that anger thing. It's like, eh. Where it would come out is if somebody would like startle me or scare me. 
my response would be to get really mad and angry. And so there it's, it's still in there, right? It comes out when I'm not expecting it. I, I learned how to train myself. So I'm not beating myself up. I mean, I was working on it, but it is still a process that lets me know like, oh yeah, it's still in there. It's, it's still there. Cause when, when I'm not expecting it, somebody would jump out of the, you know, from around the corner and scare me. And most people would laugh. I would actually get mad and want to fight that person. <laughs> Oh, this is great for G and I to know. The next time we uh, we see you, Michael, um, we may or may not have some surprises planned. All right, good, good. That I'll be I'll be on my guard then. All right, Michael, what's so, next? Yes, so so he's he's really laying out these two options, right? Like, what kind of community are you going to be? And I I think in you know verse seventeen, he's like, "Don't be foolish. Understand what God wants of us." choose that path. And then he lays it out in in very beautiful symbolic terms. And again, I don't think we want to get caught up in reading it as a as a list. Like these are the things that we must do. But he says, don't be animated by wine. Don't be that kind of community. That that's what really brings out your actions and who you are and and again, that's a stereotype, but he, that's what he's doing. He's kind of offering this, not in a negative way, but a, a, a generalization, you know, almost an archetype. Like that's that's one path you could go down is the rich and the powerful and all that. They they pursue wine. That's, that's what kind of drives their choices and how they live. And he says, because that leads to debauchery, selfish living, that leads to the darkness of the age to come. So that's one way of living, the self-indulgent way. Instead, he says, be filled with or be animated by. So he's, he's laying out another dichotomy there. Yeah. Okay. Good. Great question. Animated is what directs our actions. Paul kind of appeals to that in 1 Corinthians 15, where he talks about there is a body animated by the normal human soul and desires or the body animated by God's spirit. That's the resurrection body. So it's animated means what what brings you to life? What directs your actions, right? Uh, is it is it wine or is it the spirit? Is it, in other words, these are symbols, uh, you know, the wine is symbolic of self-indulgence. The spirit is, is restraint. It's choosing God's will and reflection. I was just saying, I like that. I don't know how purposeful it was of Paul, but to use the idea of alcohol, because everybody knows what a drunk person looks like. Yeah. It's completely evident, um, when someone is drunk versus when they're sober. Um, so how, how would a person quote unquote, dare I say, drunk uh, of the spirit, um, shouldn't it be that much markedly different yeah. than someone who's not? Yeah, yeah. And and they would have been very familiar with what drunk people looked like. That was that was sort of the the centerpiece of their parties and the the rich and the way of life and all that. And what he says here, we can't get into all the things here, but he says, I want you to be a community that's filled with the Spirit. Now, first of all, we often individualize that. And then we start talking about how do I get filled with the Spirit? and What gifts does it look like and all that? And we've turned it into this whole thing. 
But what does Paul actually describe as being filled with the Spirit here and community? He actually uses four things, and it gets uh, gets hidden a little bit in the English. It's obfuscated a little bit because, again, they're trying to make it easy to read. I know that's one of those that's one of those Northwestern words. So he has four categories here, and and you can see in the ori- original language that they all use the same participle. So if we were following that and preserving that in English. He would actually say, and some English translations do this, he would say, instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing and making music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and submitting to one another. Those all four are evidence of a spirit-filled community. So again, songs, uh, we don't have time to get into what may have been the difference in Paul's mind between psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, although they were a little bit different. But he's, he's again, he's using these as examples and not this is not an exhaustive list, but a community that, that teaches one another. That was one of the primary things of of song that, that teaches one another, that worships together, that praises God back and forth, that also sings and, and makes music to God, that, that sings together, that worships God together, that reflects God together, a community that is always giving thanks to God, that sees God as the object of our gratitude, that is grateful to God. Paul says in Romans 1 that pagan communities get lost. The, the first step is they stop being thankful to God. When they stop giving gratitude to God, then you start thinking, we're doing this. We can accomplish things. We have wisdom. We're making this happen. And so these are, these are the signs of a, a community that's really channeling the fullness of of God's spirit. And then I think he really brings it to a head in the submitting to one another. And that's where he's going to really jump off and start being countercultural. And I'll I'll say this here, and then I want to say it again next week, because next week we're actually going to pick up with this verse because it's so vital to the next passage. But just the, the I, I can't, it's difficult for me to express how mind-blowing and countercultural the idea would have been of submitting to one another. That is not the world that Paul lives in. The world that Paul lives in, that they live in, is the idea of the, the lower classes and statuses, the inferior submit to the superior. The superior have freedom. They exercise their rights. That's the way community was ordered. So to have a community where we submit to one another, in their minds, there's very much like, what would that even look like? How would that even happen? How could you, how could you do that? How could you be that sort of community and still operate in the world around us, that doesn't even make sense. And Paul's going to go even farther and show what that looks like as a 
as a church community, but in their homes. Like every part of the value of the Christian community is going to be different. It's going to reflect the age to come and not the present age. So these are all aspects of being filled with the Spirit. You know, those are all really interesting to think about and look at. And recently, Reggie and I were listening to just a snippet of a sermon that talked about the word submission, which I thought was pretty interesting because I'd never heard it this way. But the pastor had said, putting your own desires sub the mission, putting your own desires under the mission. Reggie, am I explaining that? Because I know you explain things a little better than I when when it comes to that. Yeah, I think that's well put, like putting the passions and desires of your flesh and what you want, the self-indulgent parts of yourself, uh, sub to the mission. Now, we could expound on what the mission is. Yeah. Christianity is not all about the mission. There you go. If I were to say what the mission is, the mission of us, you know, Ephesians 4, which I'm sure you guys talked about in the podcast, but being united in Christ. Um, yeah. Because, you know, being the the people of light like yes. earlier it talks about yes. yeah we have to agree passage. on what mission is. i would say that would be the mission you need to put your feelings and desires sub to that yeah two two important things there from that reggie one is um I, I just learned that reggie doesn't really listen to our podcast regularly uh so now we know that gianna uh i try i try no that's There's okay like that's fine four or five episodes uh, nice <laughs> Out of out of a hundred and whatever we're at forty two, which by the you were way, making a point. you're making a point, right? Michael? I was making a point. By the way, side note, gee, I just looked it up yesterday. This is your sixtieth episode, by the way, on the podcast. So. I've got to figure out a way to celebrate. Yeah, that's good. To know. Although you know what, I just realized that does include like the three or four where you were out with the baby, so. But you've been mm-hmm. with us for a period of 60 episodes. But I feel like I've been with you for more than 21 episodes, so it's now a habit. There you go. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's a it's, habit in your life. We have a running joke in our house that G will not have a problem finding a reason to celebrate. So let's just all podcasters and listeners just pray that you know she doesn't celebrate by being filled with wine and be filled with the spirit <laughs> let's hope that yes let me let me say one last thing reggie about the mission and i like where you took that is i think it it is all about the mission and i i would even agree that you know there's a degree to which it's putting the mission ahead of ourselves but that mission is to be the image bearing community to be the new creation then a part of that is to save souls, to help people become Christians. But we often, and we've talked about that here in the podcast, a lot of times we get that part as though it's the whole mission. And the problem is, and we, and, and that's really the soul gospel. When that becomes the mission, that's the soul gospel and not the whole gospel. And so that's that's important to understand what the mission is. So I like I like that idea and I like that you redirected what the mission is there. All right. Well, we're gonna 
wrap this thing up here uh, and take a selfie and kingdom come. We typically merge those two together. We do a lot of merging here when it comes to our, our four sections. That's but fine. I think that's just what happens naturally. Uh, so maybe I'll pose this to Reggie uh, and take a selfie. We kind of think about everything that we went over here today and figure out, you know, what does that look like in our lives? What, how can we apply this? And then in kingdom come, what does that mean for like the age to come and in our community? Am I right here, Michael? So no, that's a good attempt, Gianna. You're you're close. I think, um, and maybe you'll have this all down by our seventieth episode. Maybe. But no, no, no. I think I think where in your explanation with take a selfie, you 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 borrowed a little much from Kingdom Come and maybe blocked yourself in a little bit. With the take a selfie section, I think we really try to look at how do we differ from the world of the text? How, how are we different? What, you know, what do we have to do to start bringing this text into our world? And then with Kingdom Come is where we get into like, now how do we live this out in our modern time? So they're very closely connected uh, in a sense. You could you know, uh, they do bleed into one another. And actually, again, in this episode, I think kind of throughout the discussion, we've been really wrestling with that already, you know, how, how we are different from and how we might take things and, and misunderstand it and so on. So Reggie, uh, thoughts for take a selfie or kingdom come. Yeah. I mean, I would say one difference I see between, um, us and and what the people of the text was uh michael alluded to this earlier we don't really uh, speak to one another in psalms and hymns like it's not a, a teaching tool if i'm right michael as it as it was back in the day um but that would be something i would be curious about um taking it to kingdom come um how could we start to do that maybe more um i have no idea uh, but it's just an interesting thought um but then just going forward uh, for me with kingdom come um really looking at those last few verses michael broke it down into speaking or you know teaching one another singing um with making music from our heart to the lord giving thanks and submitting to one another kind of those four pillars as what paul is outlining it means to be filled with the spirit um i feel like i would just take that to prayer with god um how can i not just individually, as Michael said, but be a part of a community where we are seeking to be filled in that way. Um, and that that's where I would start to critically think about that and, and pray about it and, and ask that God would help me to be a part of a, a community that collectively is seeking that. Michael. Thoughts. Well, first, let me say, Reggie, as to the question about songs and where to start, uh, let me recommend a book by Alan Street called Songs of Resistance. And he goes through the songs of the New Testament showing how they were tools to teach one another how to resist empire. And how to live differently. And many of them were aimed at the things that they were, the values that were being constantly bombarded at them. And, and they were being called to a different sort of allegiance. And I, I, I think, you know, we've talked a lot about the take a selfie stuff throughout the 
episode today, I think the big thing, as with so many other passages in Ephesians, the big danger for us is to read it individually only and to miss that community element, to miss that being a people of the age to come. Because it's one thing for me to be a person of the age to come, but there's a whole different set of demands and submission. You know, if 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 my life is 99% focused on me being a Christian disciple image bearer, I don't have to do a whole ton of submitting there. But if if the focus for me is on being a a part of a community of image bearers, then that demands submitting to one another. And if I understand that image bearing is that flat society where there there's not the steps of superiority and status and hierarchy, and that we really are that that central to our identity as a community that submits to one another and and doesn't have those levels of of status and worth, then that brings a whole nother level of thought process to me and work and what it means to speak and sing to one another and with songs and hymns and spiritual songs and have gratitude to God and and to submit to one another. All of that becomes much more difficult when it's a community rather than an individual endeavor. Love it. Great discussion, guys. Reggie, always fun to have you on. Always fun to have you around. Thanks for volunteering. <laughs> thanks for yeah, thanks for joining us, Reggie. And I think uh, Jason is still out walking on the beach where we left him <laughs> last week, but he'll be back with us soon. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening to another podcast from us. We love the support. If you want to support us more, you can uh, be a Patreon supporter and find out all the extra information, all the extra talking that Jason and Michael do. Um, Lots of great content there. But if you want to contact us, feel free to email us at iconpodcast. Excuse me, iconpodcast at gmail.com. We will see you guys next time. Thanks for tuning in.